My time living in Nambucca wasn't all shit. After deciding that discomfort was my new friend, I started to explore more and more what my purpose was. I'd had inklings that it was the thing that had been missing inside me for a while. And I was feeling more and more called to figure it out, to find it, my purpose, the reason I was put here. I started to make a few new friends beside the postie. I started to put myself out there more and more. I started saying yes to opportunities and social engagements, and as a result, started to make some real friends. That's not to say I was over my anxiety and was able to connect with people immediately. Oh no, I was still in a pretty dark place. I feel like this time in my life, say 2009 to 2011, was the winter of my soul, a time for hibernation and inner work. And it didn't take much for me to tip straight over into that victim headspace of nobody likes me, everybody hates me, think I'll go eat some worms. Like the time I got invited to a friend's bag party. It was a multi-level marketing business that sold handbag shells and inserts. It was the first time I was invited anywhere in Nambucca. I'd found this lovely woman who was a magician with eyebrows. Oh man, she sure did a good eyebrow wax and she loved to chat. I talked to her about what was going on for me and she shared with me that she too had suffered depression and anxiety. I felt like it gave her permission to share what was really going on with her too. She was a bright, bubbly and popular chick from the outside looking in, who had lived in the valley most of her life and had a very tight-knit group of friends around her. To say I was nervous about attending this party was an understatement. I was nauseously nervous. I did what I do best in those kind of situations, armed myself with two bottles of champs, a pack of ciggies, somehow smoking had found its way back into my life. At this stage, I was just an afternoon or social smoker polished them all off in the first two hours, and told a bunch of pretty inappropriate stories and jokes. Just like that time I took a shit in the dunes at the beach. By the end of the night, I was rolling drunk. I managed to scab a lift from one of the other chicks and held my head out the window like a dog all the way home to stop myself from spewing. They pulled up out the front of my house, opened the door, and I literally fell out onto the gutter. Disgraceful. The next morning, I awoke with a deep sense of regret. I felt physically sick, and it was more than just the hangover. I kept going over and over in my head all the ways I'd made a fool of myself that night, kept telling myself no one would ever want to be my friend. I was a pathetic loser. A year or so later, after avoiding social outings with the crew from that night, and after much healing had taken place, she threw another party. I sheepishly showed up. A few people came up and said hello, and I couldn't for the life of me remember who they were. One was the chick who drove me home. I told them all how horrified I was about my behaviour that night. They all just had a laugh. They thought I was actually funny. Not a drunk, not a pathetic loser. Funny, hilarious even. They told me I wasn't even close to being a mess. I looked like I was having a great time. Oh, how looks can be deceiving. I'd had it in my head that they all hated me, but it turns out they'd been waiting for me to come back and party with them again. Isn't it funny how our minds can run away with us? How we can be in exactly the same situation and see things completely different than others. So yeah, there were still dark moments. It was still very much my soul's winter. But the further I went along my path of discovering who the fuck I was and what made me tick, the further and further those dark, cold moments became. I started to defrost a little. Around this time, unexpectedly, an old friend reached out to me. They told me they needed to speak to me urgently. 
Then they gave me some bad news. Tragically and completely unexpectedly, a friend of ours passed away. One of my staff members from the day job I'd had while getting killer copy off the ground. He was the sunshine in a shitty day job. Cheeky, funny, charismatic. A huge trigger for me. I found him equal parts cool and confronting. He was one of those people whose passion for life was infectious. He was living the dream, doing work he loved, spending time with people who inspired him, traveling, socializing, living my dream. And that threatened me in some way. I can't really explain it. And I feel so fucking terrible saying this. But his joy and zest for life made me feel somehow inadequate. I was a little jealous of his coolness, intimidated by him, which is weird because he was the least intimidating person going around. His death rocked me to the core. I couldn't believe that this guy who shone like a diamond in life was dead, gone. It seemed like such a waste of a life that definitely had a positive impact on those around him. I was in a serious state of shock, disbelief, disappointment. Disappointment that he was gone and disappointment that I'd not made the most of him while he was here. Disappointment that here was this guy living the dream and I was so confronted by it that I allowed it to get in the way of building a friendship I think we both would have benefited from. And disappointment that I'd allowed my own feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy stop me from truly enjoying my own life, which was every bit as much as a gift as his was. A catalyst, a devastating catalyst. Something shifted in me, something big. Here I'd been, wasting my life away, so worried about what everyone else thought about me, so consumed by my dislike of myself, so stuck in my fear and self-doubt. Suddenly, it was impossible for me to ignore that life was short, that I could stay where I was, or I could commit to myself. Maybe I could be a light in others' lives, just like he was. Maybe I could make an impact during this lifetime. That would make life really worth living, right? The search for my purpose was now personal. I wanted nothing more than to shine my light while I still had time. There was an urgency I'd not experienced before. I searched high and low for my purpose, pulled out old diaries from when I was a child, called my mum. Nothing was really leading me to any rock-solid answers. Then the seed of an idea landed. TV programming for the soul. A magazine-style TV show that would be like Better Homes and Gardens, but for your emotional, spiritual and physical self. I was so excited by this idea. I felt more inspired than I'd ever felt in my entire life. After feeling so numb for so long, this was like an explosion of meaning and purpose and excitement. It was incredible. I emailed a few production houses to see if they'd be interested in being involved and messaged Eden Gahar. Anyone remember him? He's a producer in the States these days, but I loved him as the host of Vidiot back in the day. Through my journey of seeking meaning and purpose, I'd found myself immersed in self-development and self-discovery. Now, this wasn't all that new to me. I'd been reading personal development and spiritual books for years. I was one of those uni students sitting in the courtyard on my own, Celestine prophecy in one hand, hot chips in the other. But it wasn't until now that I had recognised that was the missing piece. That purpose was the thing I'd been lacking. Not the body, not the love life, not the job, not the geographical location. I'd struggled with all of these over the years. Aha, it was meaningful work that was missing. When I started diving into the world of spiritual and personal development again, I found all signs led to serendipity. Follow the signs, they are all around you. 
Which is what led me to email Eden Gahar. Bizarre and totally random. I think I saw him on some TV show. Then he came up in a conversation with someone close to me who had passed him at a party in the early 90s. And then I saw his name pop up in the credits of Celebrity Apprentice or something. The rule of three. It was a philosophy I was subscribing to at the time. See something or someone three times or more and follow that path. I put three together and ended up sending off a rather embarrassing message to Eden Gahar. Curiosity just led me to check my messenger to see if the original message was still there. Oh God, it's so embarrassing, but here it is. Hi Eden, you don't know me from a bar of soap, but I'm currently trying to open myself up and recognise coincidences that occur in my life. Oh, I'm cringing. A bit of a challenge and totally throwing myself outside my comfort zone. This message, for example, is not something I would usually even consider. I've promised myself when something crops up, I am to follow it up. Anyways, yesterday I was running with my dog and your name just popped into my head. I was a big Vidiot fan back in the day. I found myself wondering what you were doing these days. I came home, caught up on some work, had a boxing session, ate dinner, you know, the usual stuff, and I totally forgot that you'd sprung to mind, as we do. Then just now, I was having a bit of a lunch break. I'm a voiceover artist and work from home, so often I watch a bit of telly over lunch. And I just happened to catch the end of Celebrity Apprentice, when whose name should pop up on the screen but yours. It was something I'd usually just brush over and move on, but a promise to myself is a promise to myself. I'm sure there's something I need to learn from this, if not to just grow a set of balls and shoot caution to the wind every now and then, regardless of what the recipient may think. You can totally choose to disregard me as a crazy person and get back to your day now. Thanks for your time. Oh, and I think you may have pashed my sister-in-law back in the early 90s. Oh, my God. That tops the embarrassment list. It's like cringing when you read your first high school diary. Mortifying. Why would I have done that? But I also see the boldness and I give myself props for just balls to the wall backing myself. I'm not sure what the point was. I didn't ask for anything. I think the intention was for him to magically read my message, know what to do, get in contact with me back and be my knight in shining armour. I thought he would read the message, see the unlimited potential of who I was. Somehow he'd figure out I was creating a TV show and would insist on helping make that happen, maybe telepathically because I didn't even mention the TV show. But going back to Messenger all these years later, I can now see that he never saw it. I'm equal parts relieved and disappointed. (laughs) This isn't the first time I've expected someone to see my potential and deliver me something that I want without having to ask for it or without even getting clear on what it is that I want from them. This is a theme. I'm forever expecting people to read between the lines, to somehow know what I need from them. Most of the time, I want them to save me, to take me somewhere better, to take me to the destination. Once it was clear that Eden Gahar wasn't coming on board, I decided I didn't want a production company involved. I could be my own production company. I'd studied film and TV in my university degree, which I never finished, so I had the skills. Even had the company name come to me, Karmic Productions, which made sense. Me, Carly, my husband, Miko, Karmic. Yes, it was big. It was overwhelming and I was very much stuck in self-doubt. Who was I to create a TV show or, even bigger and bolder, a production company that created programming for the soul? And then Oprah announced she was starting OWN. I was crestfallen, devastated. What was the point of doing something if Oprah was doing it? I couldn't compete. So I wrote Oprah an email. 
I can't really remember what it was about, other than I thought Own was very much needed, and I'd had a similar vision, something about us both being plugged into the same collective. I imagine it was very much the same as the email I wrote to Eden Gahar, embarrassing word vomit, with little point or direction. Needless to say, I never heard back from her. This wasn't the last time Oprah stood in the way of my dreams, bloody Oprah. A little while later, I had this inspired idea that I would create an online 21-day guided meditation course. It felt like a genius idea. I could use my voiceover skills, write and record 21 guided meditations. It didn't matter that I rarely meditated. It was definitely my purpose. I set to work, created around seven of them and started to get overwhelmed. Then a friend told me that Oprah had teamed up with Deepak Chopra to put together a 21-day guided meditation course for free. Well, that was it. I was done. How could I, little old Carly Nimmo, ever compete with the likes of Deepak and Oprah? Clearly I couldn't. This couldn't be my purpose. Looking back, I was pretty bold. I mean, I emailed Oprah to tell her we must be plugged into the same cloud of consciousness. Oh dear. This whole following synchronicity gig certainly was taking me to some strange places and I was taking it very seriously. If something came up in my periphery three times or more, I'd find a way to act. It worked sometimes, mostly not so much. I think perhaps I was looking too hard for signs, then manipulating them to suit my situation. But hey, I was taking action and I was feeling inspired and it felt good most of the time when I wasn't mortifyingly embarrassed and praying I could retrieve sent emails. Once I sat down and really thought about what would be involved in getting a TV project like that off the ground, it became way too overwhelming. I started to come up with a million reasons why it wouldn't work and really excused my way out of it put it on the back burner. I thought about how I might be able to create something that had the potential to have the same level of impact, but that was much less stress to create. I could start with that, which I now know as an MVP, minimum viable product, and build up to a TV show down the track. Think Beautiful was born, an online magazine-style blog featuring healers, gurus, coaches, friends who had a positive message to share. I reached out to all the healers and people who had been part of my journey through depression, people who inspired me, people who I knew had interesting stories to tell, stories that could impact other people who were in the same place I had been. I launched and loved it. It gave me purpose and meaning and it was changing people's lives. I made some new amazing contacts and I was really enjoying creating something meaningful. But after months and months of chasing people for content, it became obvious that in order for me to keep it going, I needed to monetize it in some way, be financially rewarded for all the hard work I was putting in. Back then, I had no idea how I could monetize it, other than put some banner ads on the site. It all started to feel a bit too hard, and I stopped showing up consistently. Then I'd stop posting for weeks, come back and post a bit, then disappear again. Eventually, after trying to find someone to take it over, I gave up. You know, I'm not sure that it was simple as I just gave up. I think it really served its purpose and it was time for me to move on to something new. I've given myself a hard time over the years for not being consistent. And sure, it can be a sabotaging behavior, but I'm going to stop with that story now. I've lived it for years. I'm not consistent. That's why I'm not successful. That's why I'm not Oprah. I can't stick with anything long enough. There are seasons for things. This particular season was my transition from winter to spring. Think Beautiful played a big role in that, and then it was time for a change, a new season to begin. No beating myself up. 
It was what it was, something that had really served me in the moment and that, when it no longer served me, I walked away from. I can see that now clear as day, but back then, not quite so much. I did likely entertain some pretty gross thoughts about myself. When we truly embrace that life comes in seasons, it can make things seem less permanent. And sometimes, particularly when you aren't in a really great emotional, spiritual or physical place, it's that permanence that scares many of us from really committing to something. But nothing in life is permanent. We are always in some kind of transition, a constant state of flux. The only permanence is our impermanence. And that's what this season taught me. We're here for a short time. My mate's death certainly made that crystal clear. But also, hopefully, a long time. While you might feel like everything needs to be done in a hurry, there is time. Or there isn't, and there's nothing you can do about it. Sure, that might sound weird coming from someone who just a few paragraphs ago wrote about losing someone way too soon. But there is one thing I know. He made the most of his life. He enjoyed it. He didn't push or rush. He lived in the moment. That is what made him so remarkable, so inspiring. It wasn't because he made a million bucks and was famous. It was because he was present with everyone he came across. He gave them the best of him. He gave himself the best of him. I'm positive he is satisfied with the life he led, even if it seemed short and unfair to me. Life is short, sure, but it's also long. There is time. What is for you won't go by you. My purpose, your purpose, it can't pass us by. And years from this point in time, in fact, not that long ago, it finally landed for me. See, it's one thing to say something, but another to live it. And at this point in time, I still had a long way to go. Many lessons yet to learn, many experiments yet to try.